This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. From MPB Think Radio, this is Now You're Talking with me, Marshall Ramsey. This is a show about the most interesting people and stories of Mississippi. Hey, today we're going to sit down and talk with James Bell. He's a Rankin County resident and retired county and special circuit judge. He recently published his second novel, Maximilian's Treasure. It's based on a real-life experience he had more than 35 years ago. Plus, we've got our new Mississippi Made feature of the week. And if you'd like to be part of today's show and conversation, well, give us a call. The number is 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. Or you can email me at marshall at mpbonline.org. Hey, stay tuned. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Marshall Ramsey. I'm the editor-at-large at Mississippi Today. Today we've got a great guest in the studio. His name is James D. Bell. He's an award-winning author. He's got a second book here today. We'll talk about that in a second. He's a retired judge and special circuit judge, but he's a lawyer. Uh, we were talking a little bit about that. You never truly ever really retire. Anyway, but he's recently published that second novel I was talking about, Maximilian's Treasure. It is based on a real-life experience that he had more than 35 years ago. It's a great book. I can't wait to get to talking about it. Of course, if you want to be part of our conversation today, you can give us a call at 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. Or you can drop me an email at marshall at mpbonline.org. Michelle, I tell you what, over the weekend, it was busy. We did the people, politics, and the press at Mississippi Today. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, so we how had, was that? How was that? It was Tell really, it. it was great. We, um, Elise Jordan from MSNBC was our keynote speaker. And so she is, of course, from Holly Springs, Mississippi. We need to get her on the show. She's just fantastic. Uh, very, she talked about the press and what, you know, some of the challenges that are up ahead. And of course, I've been living that dream for about 25 years. So, I mean, I know that. But she was great. And then we had Jerry Mitchell on the panel, which Jerry's going to be on the show soon. He's got a new book out. He was talking uh, a little bit about some of his uh, experiences as an investigative reporter. And it just all throughout the day was just panel after panel, really a lot of great issues. But I think the golden thread that ran through it is what's the future of journalism? What's the future of getting our news and our information? And, of course, as we know, with the Internet and with social media, everything is so fractured and it's such a challenge. So it was a it was a fun day. We thought the weather might cause some problems. Um, I actually was Ubering guests back from the hotel to the place in the pouring rain to make sure they didn't get wet. I got drowned, but that was okay. I did a panel with Scott Stannis, who is the cartoonist for the Chicago Tribune. So he and I got to, to, to have a good time and chat and laugh and talk about the future of our profession, too. So it was a great day. Uh, ended, you know, ended about five o'clock that afternoon, went home and I collapsed. And Sunday I treated myself to the movie 1917. Uh, so Sam Mendez is the director on that. He did the movie Skyfall with James Bond. Absolutely one of the most phenomenal movies because of the way they structured it. It is literally you follow two soldiers journey 
from the beginning to the end without a single scene cut. It's just straight linear all the way through the movie. And you go through and you were on pins and needles the whole time. It's a World War One based epic and absolutely wonderful. He got a Golden Globe for Best Director. And I think he got a director's um, award also, too. I think he's been nominated for an Oscar because the Oscar nominations came out this morning as well. Great, great movie. Highly recommend it. I uh, saw it in IMAX, so it was even big and brilliant and beautiful. So that was kind of what was going on on the weekend. But like I said, 1917, if you can handle a war movie, I highly recommend it. Five stars. <laughs> well, I watched a movie this weekend. It wasn't at the movies. It wasn't in IMAX, but it was at my house on an HDTV, and it was on Netflix. And I'm not a Netflix person. Really, I'm not. But I'm getting into it more. And uh, uh Judge Bell, you might appreciate this movie. It was actually interesting. I saw the trailer, and it just caught my attention. Uh, It's called Rattlesnake. So, of course, no, it's not about snakes. A child gets bit by a snake, and the woman runs and takes her daughter to a mysterious trailer just popped up in the middle of the blue, and her daughter gets saved. The woman says, before she saves her daughter, that this comes with a big price tag. This comes with a big price tag. But at the moment, in the moment, she wasn't hearing that. Please save my daughter. I don't know what to do. I have no service on my cell phone. So long Was it a good sir? Was it a good price or a bad price? <laughs> I'm about to tell you. Okay. Imagine having to imagine a life for a life. Imagine oh, having yeah. to kill yeah. someone randomly in a small town of Texas that she went online. And when she realized what was going on, she started researching and noticing all these random killings in this small little town. And why? Because when something happens like this and someone helps someone else, you have to kill a life. Fortunately, and I don't know if you say fortunately or unfortunately, she found a person that was um, beating his wife. So you see how she took a bad situation and said, you know, if he dies, I think I'll be helping the world out and helping this lady live. You You know know what I would have done? I would have killed the lady who made me make the deal. She couldn't find her. And let me tell you, she was like a mysterious type of character. And it was interesting. She was almost like a ghost. And can you imagine working for the Chamber of Commerce for that town? Hey, come to our town. We got 12 people. I mean, 11 people. I mean, 10 people. I mean, And it happens uh, more often than not. And what's funny is that the townspeople, I guess they didn't realize it. Just this random acts of um, crazy murder just happened out the blue. And they're ranting and raving. So it was interesting how it happened. It ended weird, but I was just I'd very... Who was in it? I've uh, never heard of that. Again, like I said, when I say not low budget, but something that Nicholas I probably... Cage, he had to be in it. <laughs> I wouldn't have watched it, but it's called Rattlesnake, and it was on Netflix. And just an interesting uh, concept to me. And it was neat. Uh, if you want to... You know, have nothing else to do on the Saturday or Sunday afternoon. You really dove deep into Netflix. I'll give you some credit for that one. You know what I like to do sometimes? Watch something that I normally wouldn't watch, something that's not popular. I like to do that and see how I... Uh, what I, my take on it is. And that's what I did. And I enjoyed uh, the concept of the movie. What would I do as a mother? What would I do in that situation to save my daughter's life? Because she had till sunset to take another soul. And if she didn't, her daughter was going to die. Amy got into the show You that's mm-hmm. on there also. Mm-hmm. And it's about a serial killer. a psych- He's like basically mentally ill serial wow. killer. And I'm like watching going, I can't watch. I'll go watch a war movie where everybody gets blown up. But I can't watch that. It's like it was too creepy. That's funny. I, I like how you mentioned everyone likes what they like. I probably couldn't sit, I probably could, uh, through a war movie uh, because it's so gross. Well, this one was more like a horror movie in a way because there was so much, you know, stuff you didn't, you expected 
you didn't expect something to happen, all of a sudden it'd be like, boot, you know, something would shock you. And you're like, oh, I kept jumping out of my son was laughing at me. You know, I brought my 17 year old so he can go see a rated R movie. But he just sat there and laughed at me throughout the movie because I kept falling out of my chair because like these moments of surprise. It's like, oh, wow. boing, 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 boing. it's like on that. But a great. Gosh, that one deserves every single award. And I believe it or not, I have volunteered. I'm raising my hand right now. I may lose my man card on this one. I don't care. I'm going to go see Little Women with, with uh, my wife. I think that's a good thing to do. Oh, Greta Gerwig I mean, is just absolutely brilliant. She, you know, she's so again, good. Again, it's not a chick flick. I think every movie has uh, its aspects. Well, it doesn't have people gender. blowing up or anything. So, <laughs> Well, we're going to start our new segment today. Yeah, this uh, is exciting. Mississippi Made. Mm-hmm. And uh, each week we'll talk to people live or it will be recorded about things that are Mississippi made. Things right here in Mississippi. Mississippi has a great history. We have things that you drink and eat every day that you have no idea that's made right here in Mississippi. And we're going to start our first segment today. So let's listen to you. (laughs) Hi, I'm Michelle McAdoo with our Mississippi Made Feature of the Week. This week, we're featuring the Mississippi Cheese Straw Factory. Mississippi Cheese Straw Factory was founded in 1991 in Yazoo City, Mississippi, where the love of good food and hospitality run deep. The concept of the Mississippi Cheese Straw Factory began in the kitchen of the Yerger family with an heirloom family recipe for cheddar cheese straws. One day, Mrs. Yerger decided to apply her culinary genius and launch a business. She says that she was inspired by the spirit of her late husband, a man who loved life and loved good food. Since then, Mrs. Yerger has created a variety of savory cheese straw flavors, as well as creating the concept of the cookie straw for those who have a taste for the sweeter things in life. Today, the Mississippi Cheese Straw Factory is still family-owned and family-oriented making delicious products that are shipped fresh all over the world, right here in our own backyard in Yazoo City, Mississippi. Mississippi Cheese Straw Factory. It's Mississippi made. So we've got time for our first break. If you'd like to be featured on our Mississippi Made segment and know a company that should, well, you drop us an email at marshall at mpbonline.org. When we return, we'll welcome award-winning author and retired judge James D. Bell to the show. Talk a little bit about his new novel, Maximilian's Treasure. Stay tuned. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. information presented on this program is meant to provide general information about the topics discussed and is not necessarily the opinion of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. The information presented does not create any type of relationship between the hosts and guests and the listening audience. Please consult an appropriate professional for guidance about your concerns. (music) 
All right, welcome back. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Marshall Ramsey of Mississippi Today. Hey, do you have a passion for justice? Or do you just enjoy a good mystery, a drama? How about a true love story? Well, our guest today gives you just that. He's got his brand new novel out, Maximilian's Treasure. Let's welcome to the show, award-winning author, retired judge, lawyer, Jack of all trades, James D. Bell. James, it's good to see you again. Uh, great to see you, Marshall. I'm trying Thank to think you. the last time we saw each other may have been at the book signing for the dog book. That's right. Uh, I, that's been about a year. Yeah. And uh, Dog Stories for the Soul. Wonderful book. Yeah. 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 And we were both in it together. It's yeah. like us and Mark Twain. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that's great. John Steinbeck, Mark Twain, Willie Morris, and you and me. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> we were right there up in the front, though. You know, it's great. Congratulations, though. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, uh, I grew up in Jackson. Mm-hmm. Uh, my dad was in the floor covering business. Wow. And uh, uh, mom was a tiny, he was a giant, big, big man. And my mom was four foot ten, little bitty lady, uh, Choctaw ancestry. Yeah. And um, uh, most of my uh, siblings went into the floor covering business. So I thought I needed to find something else to do. So I went to law school really intent on being I wanted to defend citizens charged with crimes. Yeah. And so I did. Got out of uh, law school, opened an office, and um, had a lot of early success. A young uh, lawyer came and uh, wanted to be a partner with me. And uh, Yeah, tell us a little bit about him because yeah. he, he'll come into play a little bit later in the yeah. story, I think. Uh, Jack Brantley was yeah. a great friend of mine. His uh, He was exactly opposite in most of his Thoughts, politics, and other things, and we were a great team because we looked at life from opposite angles. We got along great. We yeah. shared ideas and opinions, and, and I respected his opinion. He respected mine, but it gave us – we became an unbeatable team because he was an intrepid investigator, loyal friend, just a great researcher. And um, he passed away young. Oh, no. And uh, so I chose to bring him into my stories. I yeah. create a character named Jackson – Bradley, uh, and and he, and and I give Jack's personality to Jackson, and um, uh, and so I have a lot of fun with that, um, and also I have some of the same discussions that Jack and I used to have. I put them in the book, and where Jack would think that everything's just a random coincidence, John would think, well, I think a lot of things happen for a reason. There's a purpose, and uh, and the meaning of life discussions. But in the midst of all that is a lot of adventure, courtroom drama, uh, romance, uh, a lot of comedy. Jack was a funny guy. Was he? Oh wow! And so he's always cracking jokes. People, it was just it was just fun to be around him. Is, is, does he time. still have family around? He does. Does it, or do they know that he's he, part of the do. book? They, they have to think that's cool. Yeah. yeah. And um, so. Uh, so he's a central character yeah. in both books, and he does uh, and, and as a hero. And yeah, this is this is his book to be the hero. Oh, that's cool. Very good. Now you also you've been married for a while. Tell them, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Joanne and I have uh, four children, uh, all grown, uh, four grandchildren, and um, and uh, she inspired me to finish the first book and get started on the next book. Wow. Because okay. uh, I had these stories in, brewing in right. my mind, and she said uh, we, we'd write down goals at the, on, uh, at the first of the, every year. Yeah. And so one year she said, well, why don't you do that book you've been talking about this year? And so I did. 
And so then, you've got a footprint on your rear end where she that's kicked right, you. That's right. That's right. And uh, and so then it was, why don't you get that book published? And then why don't you do the next book? <laughs> and so she she really motivated me. Yeah. And gave me the space and the time to do it. What she do for a living? Uh, she is a a brilliant programmer, really? computer programmer. Oh, that's cool. And and she's often going to week long seminars to study her trade. Mm-hmm. I'll go with her and maybe stay in the room or find a good place to write in the hotel while she's at the seminar, and then we'll go play at night. Yeah. And uh, but it, it gives me a solid week of writing. And for weeks up to that, I'll get myself in the right frame of mind with the story, writing parts of it. And then for weeks afterwards, I'll be carry that momentum forward. But usually that week, I'll get 100 pages of the book knocked out that week. And um, so that's, uh, that's really the kind of time. Otherwise, because I work full time, even though I say I'm a retired judge, I work full time, so the, I have to steal time here and there to write. I was going to ask you about that because you know, I mean, we talked. To, uh, I was talking to Michael Ferris Smith about his writing schedule, and you know, he basically rents a room down in Water Valley and and goes and hides away with no internet or anything. That a hotel sense. room. A hotel room actually is a very good place to write. That makes sense because distraction. What happens is when you get started, all of a sudden this. You know, you think you know where you're going, but the story will take a life of its own and start telling itself. And what you are is just a witness. You're just typing down what you see and hear right. as the story unfolds. And, and and many times it takes a surprising turn. I, I know how my story begins. I know how it ends. At least I think I do when I get started, unless something changes the, right. along the way. But uh, But that helps me leave clues for the reader and treasures for the reader to find along right. the way uh, because I know where I'm going. And, and, uh, uh, and, and, but when you're in that moment, you lose complete track of time. I mean, what you think is 15 minutes could be three hours. And if you get an interruption and lose that, that moment, when you're in the zone, when you're in that space, when you're in that world and you get an interruption, it's hard. You know, you got to work to get back there. And so if you can escape the, uh, interruption. That's awesome. You know, you're right, because when I draw, I can sit there and have on a documentary. I can be listening to music. I can do anything else. When I write, I have to have it quiet. Totally different. Totally different part of the brain. And that's that, that flow. Now, how did you learn how to write? I mean, was this something that, because you, you got your undergraduate degree from, from Ole Miss. You graduated with honors and distinction in 75. I mean, I could read off your, your, your list. It's incredible. You served as a judge in Hines County and I mean, and then a chancellor in Rankin County and Scott County. Where haven't you been? You've got about 82 of the counties here down. Well, I I probably served as a judge in half of Mississippi counties. Uh, I was a uh, I was elected as a judge in Hines County in 1980, 1980. Mm-hmm. T- took office in 81 and served 89 uh, as in county court and circuit court. Yeah. And um and they consider me a retired judge. So that's over 30 years of being appointed in different counties to handle cases that where judges recuse themselves or a judge passes away or re, or resigns early and, and a replacement hasn't been selected. So I've gone for a term, weeks, months, or even one year at a time to fill in. You're like an interim minister. That's right. I just yeah. go where needed, traveling yeah. around mm-hmm. on a circuit. You're a like circuit the, rider. Yeah, yeah that's like right. circuit riding minister, minister right. used to be, mm-hmm. a circuit riding judge used to be. And I've done that in probably half of Mississippi counties uh, as Chancery Court, 
judge or a chancellor or circuit or county court judge. Tell us a little bit about you. You love the courtroom. You always oh, have. Awesome. I mean, and, and it did inspire you to write. Tell us a little bit about that. I fell in love with a courtroom the first time I walked into one and I observed real life uh, drama unfolding right in front of me. Uh, people's uh, life, their fame, their future, their fortune, their freedom could turn on the answer to a single question. Wow, yeah. everything changed. And there could be exhilaration or despondency or it was drama now. And uh, and and you're and it's a quest for truth. Uh, we we're imperfect at finding truth and the court system is not perfect at finding truth, but it's pretty darn good. And uh, and a, an effective cross-examination may be the best way to unlock the truth. And so I put real cross-examinations in my books and real courtroom drama. I want to capture that and put the reader in that courtroom when life changes on an answer, when everything turns, when your whole perception of what the world was like or what the story was like, everything turns on a dime, just like that. That is exciting. Talk about, you and I are talking about this a little bit when, before the show. You know, when you write, you literally see the image in your head and you sit down and you try to describe it. You're, I, I'm a witness. I'm just like yeah. a journalist or a witness trying to, to describe what's the, the, the events occurring in mm-hmm. my head. Right. And, and I think that that's probably true for a lot of writers. They see it and you just write down what it, I can hear the discussion. I can smell the gun smoke. Uh, it's a, uh, it's just, I'm, I'm just describing what I'm visualizing. Plus, the places that I write about are places that I've been. And uh, uh, I'm gonna, in this in Maximilian's Treasure, you're climbing a cliff and you're hanging on by your fingernails. I've been on that cliff. I've I've hung by my fingernails. I've slipped behind the waterfall into a cave behind the waterfall. I'm about uh, to say it. I'm, I was going to ask you, because a lot of the scenes in this are really exotic, so you've gotten to do some traveling then. Yes, uh, my uh, son and I used to pick a place, an exotic place to go and travel there for a week or 10 days, two weeks from every year. We'd pick some place and go, sometimes more often. And um, and so I picture some of those, uh, so I we even selected some of those places because I wanted to write about them. And and then uh, Joe, my wife and I have uh, traveled to some really great exotic places, and I picture, I capture some of those. Uh, most of well, both my books arise out of Mississippi because Mississippi's got a lot of great places and say, great people. Yeah, uh, and and there's so much good in Mississippi, and we also know from our history and experience there's a lot that's not so good in Mississippi, and I I, I think that that's. Because wherever there's really, really, really good, there's some really, really, really bad on the other side. And uh, 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 the the enemy, God is really at work in Mississippi. And when God's at work, the enemy, his enemies at work right behind him. You know, I always tell people it's kind of like the little grit and the oyster. That's what gives yeah. us the beautiful pearls. Yes. Like like books yeah. and music yeah. and the blues yeah. and so forth on that. The, Maximilian's Treasure. We're, we're talking with James D. Bell. He's the author of the new book. It's Maximilian's Treasure. I highly recommend it. Good book. It's not your first publication, however. 
my first book, uh, also uh, Vampire Defense, also mm-hmm. ro- arose out of uh, an event in my law events in my was a real practice. vampire. Well, it was uh, there was a uh, two things. Uh, a conspiracy to murder by voodoo was the charge. Oh, that's fun. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, then a murder case, a mass murder case involving a satanic cult. And in that case, I had there was a gaggle of press everywhere following me around. I had uh, people who claimed to be witches and warlocks standing on the corner following me around, casting casting curses at me, things like that. You're kidding me. Oh, no, right here in Mississippi. None of them took. Uh, uh, apparently not. Okay, just and, um, and so I... Uh, uh, so I wanted to capture some of that in a story of a man charged with murder who claims the person he killed was a vampire. That's his defense. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's, his, it's his trial. Right. And it's an exciting courtroom drama. And insanity is his defense. He thought the person he killed was a vampire. And so is that going to work? And the world press thinks it's a nutty defense. And so they come to, to make fun of it. And, uh, and that, but it also draws lots of crazies into the vicinity, just as the cases I handled draw through <laughs> lots of crazies. And, um, uh, and so that was a fun story that, in fact, won a couple of Best Fiction Awards. It did. Silver Medal Award for Best Adult Fiction from Feathered Quill Book Reviews and the Silver Medal from Reader's Favorite Reviews. Congratulations. Well, thanks. That was really, really humbling that they would select that book for, for awards. Uh, and, I, and I think that it was the novelty of the story, just as Michelle was talking about the novelty of a movie, a story that she saw this weekend. It was a, the novelty of that story. And and I was writing about places I've been and things that I knew. Right. And so it's easier to describe when you've been there. Exactly. The whole Mark Twain thing, you know, write about what you know. Yeah. So that's that's really cool. And, of course, those, when you win those awards, it's like, okay, this gives me a little bit of incentive to start my second book. How long is it, was it between the two books when you got cranked up well, on the second one? Well, I'm sorry to say it took me seven years to write the second book. Seven? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, because... Things are happening too fast in my uh, in my work, and so it was yeah. just too, it was just too long. Now, in the story time, it's only two weeks <laughs> between the first book and the second book, so it was a week, a couple of weeks of years. Do you almost. have to go back and reread stuff after you've written it. I mean, I would think that I, yeah, I do. I do. And uh, uh, every time that my wife is about to take one of those one week uh, training sessions, I spend. Weeks in advance, reading and studying, and and uh, getting myself in the right frame of mind, doing research, beginning writing some of the things that some of the character outlines and, and outline for the story. My outline is usually just a single word, yeah, a, a stack of single words representing events that I want to occur in, in a specific order, and I know the, I'll know the beginning and the end, and uh, and I got to flesh out you all that fill middle. it in, yeah, yeah. So on the editing process, and we'll, we're going to take a quick break and on that. Talk about editors, good or bad. Oh, editors, wonderful. Okay. It's, yeah. We'll touch on that in just a minute. I'll tell you what, we're going to take the break. We're going to, like I mentioned, we'll be back in just a second. We're going to continue speaking with our guest, who is award-winning author James Bell. If you have any questions or comments for him, you can give us a call at 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio.
Deep South Dining is the show all about the culture of Southern flavor. From fried chicken and collard greens to shrimp and grits and a glass of sweet tea. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or download our MPB public media app. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Welcome back. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Marshall Ramsey. Our guest is Maximilian's treasure author, James D. Bell. <laughs> we both got a big grin when Michelle dropped that music on us. That is awesome. And the cover kind of does look like uh, you know, kind of Indiana Jones kind of character sitting there. It's pretty yeah, cool. Uh, and it's uh, a recent uh, uh, reviewer in the Clarion Ledger described it as an Indiana Jones-like feel when he read the story. That's a nice compliment, actually, because I love those movies. Yeah. I really do. Yeah, me too. All right, so it's time to give us the um, quick pitch without giving away too much about what is the book about. Well, uh, there's a rumor of gold on a Mississippi farm, a Choctaw family farm, uh, that's caused 150 years of tragedy because of the rumor that there doesn't have to be gold for people to kill each other over it right, or die over it. And uh, so these rumors have caused all kinds of problems, and now somebody's about to take the farm because of the rumor. You're kidding me. And yeah. so there's legal fight over the farm. And so two lawyers... Uh, agree, Brooks and Bradley agree to help the family save the farmer farm, but uh, a drive-by incident occurs. The family uh, patriarch is murdered. The grandson chases after the suspects, and they're found scalped. He's wow, charged. Okay. He's charged with their murder, and so uh, one of the lawyers is defending the young man charged with murder. So he kind of stays at home. Yeah. Yeah. But clues to the fabled treasure of Maximilian uh, are found on the farm. And uh, so the other lawyer is following these clues, and he's being, he doesn't realize it, but he's being tr- followed by a crowd. I mean, literally, there must be 20 cars running behind him. With these. It, it, Tell some of the folks that are following yeah, him, because this so, is great. So there's a, uh, there's a, um, a descendant of Maximilian, a Habsburg, who uh, is who wants that gold, and he has a, his own private army, and he's hired people to, and himself as following uh, uh, Bradley as he as he follows the clues. Uh, also, uh, uh, an adventurous, a beautiful Latin, uh, 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 beautiful woman, uh, Natalia, is following him because she wants to find the gold, and then the people who are trying to seize the farm, uh, that family hires three thugs to follow him. And then other people along the way figure out that he's there maybe for the gold, so they start following him. And for the most part, uh, Jackson doesn't realize he's being followed. <laughs> oh, he doesn't. Okay, so <laughs> and, he, he turns and, around and there's like 90 people standing yeah, by and looking the yeah. other way. And uh, so, so, so as they're following him, in the meantime, at the same time, yeah. uh, the the trial is going on and legal actions are taking place in Mississippi. And the things that are happening in the courtroom in Mississippi get 
impact, impact the things that happen on the road, either in the Caribbean or in the Chiapas jungle. And the things that happen in the Chiapas jungle make their way back to the courtroom in Mississippi, and, they, and everything depends on everything else. So the stories kind of uh, are parallel and are intertwined and come together at the end. See, that's what I liked about it. I liked how you had these two parallel uh, stories going, and all suddenly they did right at the end. They met really well. Well, that's, oh, very that, cool, that, and uh, so that's part of the that's part of the fun of writing is to carry the uh, carry the reader on the adventure and let the reader and leave clues for the reader, leave treasures for the reader along the way, and so that the reader is a participant in this. Uh, and the places described in the book are all places I've been, and um, and and so it was easier to write that story. So the 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 part in uh, the Caribbean and the Chiapas jungle does pick up uh, an Indiana Jones-like flair to it. And, um, and then the courtroom drama is just courtroom drama. And, uh, and I use some of the experiences I had in the courtroom. Yeah. And, and I have it cross-examined or interviewed some really interesting characters over the years, including uh, mass murderers, serial killers, um, uh, really bad folks. And uh, uh, so I try to capture some of that personality and put it into some of these characters. I mean, even though John's staying home, it sounds like he had quite a bit to deal with, too. I mean, it was you had everything from arson, murder, race riots, and I mean, it was just it was mayhem on both ends of the. That's, that's right. There's a because of the nature of the uh, murders, three people scalped, uh, it draws a lot of attention. And so race riots end up occurring. Uh, a, a lot of it stirred up by outside agitators. And I put that together because I remember in one of my cases, I confronted uh, a KKK guy uh, and turned out he was from New Jersey. Here to protest in Mississippi, and uh, so I repeat that little. I repeat that part of the story. Yeah. Uh, so well, this this the whole lost treasure thing. It's based on reality, isn't it? Thirty five years ago, a a, a, a really nice, uh, really elderly, stately elderly gentleman came to see me, and um, and said that he thought that gold was buried on his farm. He wanted me to go look for it and help right. him find it. And I thought, well, why not? I'm, you know, and uh, it's probably not true, but I'd hate to read about somebody else finding it. So why not go look? So uh, a friend of mine and I went and we searched and we uh, had a great day listening to his stories. And he believed that Civil War gold was buried on his farm, that uh, the Mexico had sent gold to the South to support the civil, the South and the Civil War because Mexico liked the idea of the U.S. being engaged in a civil war. And uh, so they supported the South. And, um, and when the gold got close to the farm, the war ended, was hidden, was hidden there. Uh, that was the legend. And there are a thousand legends about Maximilian's treasure. Uh, Maximilian was then the emperor of Mexico. He was installed by France. Right. And um, so there are a thousand stories about that. And so I just picked up on this one. And uh, and so, really, Maximilian's treasure is a true story. Only the facts have been changed. Well, you know, that's how Mississippi, that's how we roll in Mississippi. That's right. right? I mean, how do you think I've been able to draw cartoons for 30 years here nearly? Let me say this. One thing I like about your book 
is that there is a moral in there. Actually, there's several in there. Talk about some of that a little bit because there's, I mean, obviously you're a man of faith. I mean, that's, that's, we've talked about that. That's very obvious. But there is um, a lot of consequences to things that even happen way off in the past. Right. When I was young, it was expected that every book, story, movie, uh, television show had a moral to the story. There was a reason, a good moral message in the story. If it was Andy Griffith, there was a good moral message about a white lie. Right. And, uh, uh, And so... We seem to have lost that in a lot of today's uh, entertainment. Now it's shock value or just plain entertainment with little uh, moral message. So I thought, I want to write for a reason and put a, to put a moral to the story. Uh, also, I want to be able to uh, share my faith in my story. So uh, one of the characters, or more than one of the characters, is... Uh, is a Christian and he's living a life where he can interact with people in a non-judgmental way and also live his faith. Right. And, uh, and someone else who's agnostic and is not a believer, but is at least willing to listen. Right. And, uh, and then others who are just plain evil. You do have some really, really bad guys in this book. Yeah. And I, and I have met many of these bad guys in, in my career. Uh, so I let that play out, and that is that's really part of the treasure of the story is the messages that a reader can find in the story, and and a reader is going to find several good solid messages about consequences for behavior, cons- and the, and the things that happen today will resonate in history. And we can't see how far they go. The things that happened 200 years ago, 100 years ago matter today. The things that happen in Mexico today matter in Mississippi today. The things that happen in the Caribbean today matter in Mississippi today. And uh, people matter. Uh, And uh, we're all here for a reason. Uh, And and there are consequences to our behavior. And... um, uh, so that's that's some of the message that I want to convey to a reader, uh, and and then I've got good moral message in this in this story. But I thought it was very well done. I mean, you weren't just sitting there beating somebody over the head with it. I mean, it was one of those things at the end of the book. You're just sitting there smiling, going, "Yeah, okay, that really that really kind of changed Great. me in a better way." Great, thank you. Yeah, that's, that's good that's, stuff. That that's that's what motive, uh, That's what helped me finish. Both the first and second book, yeah, because just to write a book was not enough motive for me to complete either task, right because it's a lot of work, especially when you have <laughs> nineteen other, other things going on yeah. and but if I feel like I have a message that was given to me by uh by the Holy Spirit by Jesus mm-hmm. to tell a story that advances the kingdom, then that gives me the impetus to tell the story. So this book has an evangelical message. Uh, it, it carries the message of Jesus, but it does it in a non-judgmental uh, way. And, uh, and it's, it's really a book of entertainment, but you get a good story out of it at the same time. That's kind of the way the parables were, right? Yes. Yeah, it's the last time I checked anyway. So on that. Talk, 
what's been the response? I mean, you've you came out in November, right before Christmas. So you were busy. You and I were talking about that. That is one of the best parts about coming out of the books, getting to travel and meet people. That's right. I get to travel down to book signings, mm-hmm. meet people, talk to people, be on your show. Right. Uh, and I'm uh, glad you have. That's right. And uh, so the response has been good. I've had uh, great reviews. Uh, the Wisconsin Book Review, Midwest Book Review, just came out with uh, uh, unreservedly recommended it. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, J.C. Patterson published a great review in the Clarion Ledger about two weeks ago. Yeah. Um, the in fact, it's been all five star reviews except there was a a great four star review in which the person uh, said that the uh, long and short reviews. Uh, person said that his only complaint was he couldn't read it fast enough. Oh wow. That's a. Do you? I'm about to. Do you read co- uh, reviews? I mean, you obviously yes. read the review reviews. Yeah. Wow, because sometimes, I mean, obviously you're getting good reviews from professional reviewers, but do you ever read, like, the comments uh, under, like, from regular readers, too? Sure, uh, and because they're informative, and some, yeah. some people, you're not going to please everybody, right? and some people are not going to like the story, and they're going to say, and so I'll look at it and say, do I think that's a fair comment or an unfair comment? If it's a fair comment, then it might be something that I can improve on, so... Uh, I like constructive criticism, and um, that's been uh, that's how we grow. That's right. Now we don't want to get discouraged by it, and uh, yeah. uh, so you have to you have to take it with the right frame of mind. This is time for our final break, and when we return, we're going to wrap up our conversation with author James Bell. Phones are still open. You can drop us a call. We'd love to hear from you if you have a question or comment for our guest. Give us a call at 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. Hey, stay tuned. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. Top 10 ways to listen to MPB Think Radio. Number 10, the iHeartRadio app. Number 9, TuneIn Radio. Number 8, Amazon Alexa. Number 7, Google Home. Number 6, Deezer. What's a Deezer? Number 5, Spotify. Number 4, Stitcher. Number 3, YouTube. To listen to a radio station? Yeah, all the kids do that now. Number 2, Apple. And the number one way to listen to MPB Think Radio, the MPB Public Media app. Free in the iTunes and Google Play Store. What about just over the radio in the car? Yeah, you can do that too. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. You're listening to the great John Williams' Superman theme. Of course, we got a Superman in the studio, James B. D. Bell. There is a actually a James B. Bell, by the way, that is an author, because when I Googled you the first time just to take some notes, I got him, and I was like, this really doesn't seem like yeah, the guy yeah. I should be, because this guy's dead, so that's a problem. But anyway, the book is... an interesting interview. It would be. I'd have to have an Ouija board, I suppose. Uh, the, it, the book is Maximilian's Treasure. It's fantastic. Recommend it highly. And you talked about you wanted the, the readers to come away with a good message. What is that message? I'm just at the end of the day, because we kind of touched on it and we danced around it a little bit, but just basically good can beat evil. Yes, it's a, uh, 
good will overcome evil. Yes. And, and uh, evil is out there, but good will overcome evil. But basically, the, the real message is uh, each of us need a relationship with our Creator. We need a relationship mm-hmm. with Jesus Christ. Uh, and one of the characters in this book uh, is a believer that everything just happens by random coincidence, and he has a lot, and, and the other believes that there's reason for a lot of things. Mm-hmm. And uh, a lot of coincidences happen in, in uh, Jackson's life. And um, it, it to, he gets to the point where he has to decide is there something to this or not? Is there something to, something to this uh, Jesus message or not? So the gospel is in this book. It's always important. I, I know as a writer, and of course, I've you actually took a writing you took a writing course, or at least how to get the book published and how yeah. to get it out there, right? I did. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So you always have to have your hero have a little bit of growth, right? So it sounds like your heroes do get to grow a little bit. That's right. And and John had to grow uh, in uh, in his decision about. Uh, two women. He's he's infatuated with one and uh, doesn't realize that he's got got a growing love for another. And uh, Karen is in love with John, and she can't be around him because he's infatuated with another girl. And so she leaves the law firm and won't have any communication with John. And um, and so that's that kind of plays out. He's got to figure out what to do with life. And, uh, and 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 love and the importance of relationship. Right. And he's got he's got to make decisions. And um, and she's got to make decisions. Is she going to wait on John? Is she going to move on with life? And uh, so those that that uh, romance background is is intense and it's in the story. Um, and then the then uh, the the value of hard work and seeking the truth and standing for truth no matter what right is uh is a theme in this story well i think you touched on it a little bit earlier because if if you obviously everything you do will have ripple effect down down the road so if you do tell that white lie or you do make that mistake it's going to have ramifications exponentially on That's down right. the road yeah it's going to do i i did a ted talk just along that and they said well how would you change Jackson in 200 years? I can't do anything. I'll be dead. But what I can do is change the life of maybe my ch- children so that they can change the life of their children and their children and their children and their children. So it sounds like that theme goes through this, too. That's right. I, I, I'll give an example. My, If I have time, sure. my, my father, uh, bef- many years ago, uh, fought for the uh, soul of his some of his grandchildren. And he uh, he led a grandchild to Christ. Many years later, I was at the wedding of that of that child's adopted son, who was uh, who was introduced as a youth minister of a church where he had brought hundreds of children to Christ. Yeah, because of a decision made that that made thirty forty years earlier by my dad. That's incredible. And That's incredible. Uh, you don't know what uh, impact you're going to have. You never do. You never do. Dorothy's on the line from Meridian. Hello, Dorothy. Welcome to the show. What's your question or comment? Hi, Marshall. I really don't have a question. I just want to comment. You came to Meridian a good number of years ago and was our speaker at the Chamber of Commerce mm-hmm. in Meridian, the MBDC, and I got your autographed copy on my book. So I'm really thrilled with that. 
And I, I'm a book lover, and I've never heard of James Bell, but his book sounds like exactly what I'm going to order today. Awesome. Where can I buy it is my question, because <laughs> when you put the Christian input into it, that's what I love. So where can I get the book? It's available at uh, uh, Lemuria Bookstore, at Bookmart in Starkville, uh, Turn Row in Greenwood, uh, uh, Lorelei in Vicksburg, and it's available online. You can go look at uh, MaximiliansTreasure.com. Uh, Maximilian has one L, and um, and you can order it through online. Okay, and I'm sure he has a lot of other books, right? I got one other novel, Vampire Defense, and that's the that's the uh, story of the man who uh, murder trial of a man who claimed the person he killed was a vampire. And it, okay. it received a Dove Award because of its Christian influence. It said the, it, it bragged that the gospel was presented in the first 50 pages of the book. So it was... Uh, All right. Well, I'll be ordering two books. Hey, Dorothy. Keep up the good work. Thank, thank you, you, Dorothy. Thanks for the call. And just one, uh, one more note. I'll be in Maria and coming up soon. Stay tuned. We're going to do a Marshall's okay. Mississippi's with Mississippi Today there. So you can come out and say hello and listen. Okay. And we'll bring in guests and we'll have a good time. So that'd be great. All right. That's wonderful. Thank you. Sure. So, you, like you said, com, and you can get the physical copy. You can order, or you can get an ebook version there as well. That's right. Very good. Congratulations. You're, Thank are you. you still on the book tour? I am. Uh, I go to Turn Row this week, Lorelei next week. Oh, those are two fantastic bookstores. Turn Row is one of the most gorgeous buildings you'll ever walk in in it your really life. It really is. Just gorgeous. You just sit there and go, okay, this is like the Library of Congress. This is really pretty. And um, Lorelei, they're just, I mean, that is such a great little bookstore. Downtown Vicksburg is so much fun. It is. It sure yeah. is. So you enjoy the traveling and the speaking and getting to meet people. Yeah, because Mississippi is full of so many great people who are friendly, hospitable, uh, interesting. Interesting to talk to. Uh, and I can see why you get along with them pretty well, because you're kind of those things, too. Well, thanks, Mark. <laughs> now, you're hard to talk to. This has been a, this has been terrible hour. hour, hour. No, just kidding. Fantastic. Congratulations. The book is Maximilian's Treasure, James D. Bell. Um, gosh, I can't wait till your next book. I know you're working on it right now. Yeah, uh, I've got a follow-up to uh, Brooks and Bradley. Uh, it's going to be Whom Shall I Send? And they are going to The Hague uh, to... The, the International Court of Criminal Law. Oh wow! And uh, so th- that's mentioned at the at the end of Maximilian's Treasure, just as at the end of Vampire Defense, Maximilian's Treasure is mentioned. Uh, it just took me a long time to get it. Just published. seven years, <laughs> <laughs> but that's only one to you and me. If we just yeah. do it dog years, how about yeah. that, James? Thank you. It's good seeing you. Thanks so much, Marshall. I appreciate it. All right. Well, we've come to the end of another great show. Thanks for joining us and thank our guest, award-winning author. He's a retired judge. He's a lawyer, James D. Bell, for sharing his story. If you'd like to hear it again or past episodes, you can download our MPB public media app and listen to our podcast. Now You're Talking is a production of MPB Think Radio. It's produced by Michelle McAdoo. Stay tuned for Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit with Dr. Josie Bidwell. And join us every Monday at 10 for Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio.